Welcome back to In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Andrew, and I'm really for- looking forward to today's discussion because uh, it's a conversation I've had privately with a lot of my friends at one point or another, or at least a series of conversations that I've had. Uh, but I've never really, I never even considered it as a possible topic for our podcast until our guest today brought it to us as a topic. Yeah, uh, should be a fun discussion. Uh, this is Phil, your other co-host. And perhaps one of the things we'll talk about today is this new annoying trend where oh. before the actual trailer that you're watching, there's a mini trailer oh, within the trailer that shows you what the trailer is going to cover. Yeah, I do hope we talk about that because it's it's insane. It's an insane thing that they do. It's dumb. Uh, our guest today, uh, is Nikki. Uh, say hi to everybody, Nikki. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey. Very welcome. Um, we're happy to have you on the show. Very excited to have this conversation about trailers. We're going to be talking about the wide world of movie trailers, uh, and television trailers, I suppose, uh, given some of the stuff that you had put on there, uh, Phil, on, in, mm-hmm. in the conversation that we were having prior to this on Facebook. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about all things trailers and uh, the art of it, the annoying things about it, the confusing things about it, um, the I, I suppose the the mass market reasons for their existence. All of the above are going to come into play, uh, and we do hope that you'll uh, stick with us for this whole conversation because it should be interesting. Before we get into that, however, I want to tell you how you can find us on the web. You can find us uh, by searching for us at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. That is where our uh, blog is hosted. Um, that's where we post all of our, our episodes. You can leave us feedback on that blog in the feedback section, or you can suggest something that you would like to come on the show and talk about, much like Nikki has done um, and the reason that she's here today with us. So... Uh, you can always uh, make those suggestions, and we'll be happy to have you on the show. We love talking with people about movies and everything movie-related, so we encourage you to do that. You can do the same thing on our Facebook page by going to Facebook and searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And you can uh, also like our page there and get uh, all of our supplemental material that we like to post uh, in your feed, uh, which is nice as well. And... Um, you can find us and engage us in conversation on Twitter by searching for at ITQ Podcast. That's our Twitter handle. And finally, you can uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, via iTunes or Overcast or any of your friendly neighborhood podcast aggregating apps. And uh, leave us good reviews, if you would. We would love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear that uh, those sweet, sweet, good reviews. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's pretty much the whole kit and caboodle. So, Nikki... Let's get into this conversation about trailers. Uh, let's start it off by asking you, Nikki, why was this the topic that you wanted to discuss? Why did you want to come on the show and talk about trailers in particular? All right, Andrew, you know me. You know that I'm early for everything. Sure, sure. <laughs> I've been on Skype for about an hour, and that was before I even got my camera working. Uh, so <laughs> I think just always going to the theater early, I'm always watching the trailers. I'm always having my opinions about them. Sure. Um, I did find out that if you go to a Mets game really early, they play music videos on the Jumbotron. That was something I didn't know. <laughs> I did not know that either. Yeah. I've never been and that was- early to a Mets game. It's like new Green Day music videos, so they're all too old, and it's like a little sad. Oh, no. Um, 
But yeah, trailers I like, and I'll even go on YouTube and watch trailers specifically. And you just, especially doing that, you get into this dark YouTube hole of oh, just yeah. one after another. And a lot of times I'll watch trailers, have no intention to see the movie, but I am curious of what this trailer is going to look like, even more so than what this movie's going to be. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think I just like watching them. I like figuring out the editing choices, the music choices. Uh, interesting, too, to see which trailers are paired with the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something we're going to talk about, but sure. there's some movies that I've gone to see, and I'm like, I don't know why like Secret Life of Pets 2 is shown before Moonlight. You know, it's just like really <laughs> off. Right? Right, is right. That, are you being serious? Was that they are actually paired together? <laughs> Something like that. It was definitely like an animated movie, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like it's that scale of like when you're on Amazon, you're shopping, and it's like, oh, other people bought this, and it's like, why did they buy? It's always the same pro- product you just bought that Amazon suggests. Right. right. And you're like, why did somebody buy the same $300 vacuum in two transactions? You know, (laughs) that's the exact same thing. Why would you do that? And then trailers, sometimes it's just completely opposite where I don't see the connection in genre. I don't see the connection in audience appeal. Um, But yeah, it's just a lot of those little things. And I don't watch, there's a lot of classic movies that I haven't watched that Andrew gets mad at me about. (laughs) So I think like trailers is like the quick hits where I feel like I'm still seeing things or I at least know what's relevant without. You, you got to be careful, though, because a lot of those trailers out there will spoil classic movies really well, quickly. One of the ones I think you posted was kind of spoiled and that oh, no. was uh, that was Castaway, whereas like <laughs> in the trailer, we know that he gets off the island. Yeah, well, right. that's 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 one of the. I mean, we can we can jump right into this if we, we want to. That, yeah. Uh, I posted in our conversation. I posted the trailer to Castaway because I remember that being yeah. the first time that I was super angry at a trailer for essentially telling the entire story of the movie from beginning to yeah. end yeah. within the frame of the trailer. It, it's I essentially threw my hands up and I was like, well, I guess I don't need to see the movie now because you've told me everything about it. Um, it seems to me like a trailer should be a little teaser, a little taste of the movie, give you some imagery, some idea of what the story might be, but not tell you everything that's going on. And that, that trailer is an especially egregious example of spoiling the entire thing. Yeah, definitely. And I was also thinking specifically of the trailer for The Godfather, Oh yeah, uh, which, which is just a series of stills. And it, it just shows you every single crucial point in the film all the major scenes uh, yeah distilled to a photograph and the trailer lasts for like three minutes and it shows you every single story beat of the film uh, right up until uh, up until the death of don corleone and everything like every single important thing is revealed in the trailer and it's like well uh exactly that reaction now i don't need to see the film and if you look at like the YouTube comments for the Castaway trailer, which I looked up after you posted that, Andrew, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so many people just said the same thing. Like, yeah, I guess I don't need to watch the film now because it was just totally ruined from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, the way that I see it is that trailers are, are meant to entice you to come see a movie, right? It's meant to whet your appetite a little bit, give you a little taste and make you want more to come back wanting more and so i i guess that the, i guess there's some market research logic i'm sure in some 
back, you know, uh, boardroom of some movie studio where they decided that, oh man, our market research shows us that more people will come see our movie if they have a complete understanding of everything that's going to happen in the movie. Um, it, it feels like a corporate decision to me, like a corporate decision-making process. Because it's so counterintuitive? Because it's completely counterintuitive. It makes no sense at all uh, to the casual movie or, or somebody who is generally more interested in a film the less it tells me about the film, the less it, it tells me. I, I posted um, two examples of what I think to be really excellent trailers, uh, three of them really, uh, and and Phil, you posted one of my favorite trailers as well. Um, Phil posted the Alien trailer for the original Alien, which is a wonderful uh, sort of montage of imagery and terror, and you don't know what's happening mm-hmm. or what's going on, but you're but you're very intrigued by these beautiful images and this sort of uh, kinetic editing well and not just that but there's the trailer itself is like a self-contained work of art because yeah. of the the soundtrack and the sound design yeah there's like this pulsating kind of uh weird tone that kind of gets louder and louder and then this like really disturbing screeching like alarm noise that gets louder and louder yeah. and then it builds and builds and then it just kind of like explodes in this succession of quick shots and I mean, it's and and then it with that great tagline in space no one can hear you scream oh, best tagline. so it's like and also, I heard this interesting bit bit of trivia. I don't know if it's true, but in the Alien trailer, when there's those shots of the camera like uh, gliding back over the the rocky surface yeah, of the yeah. planet, and then the the letters that spell Alien are are slowly appearing, and you see the egg hovering in the air. Supposedly, to create the look of the that rocky terrain, they just filmed a tray of brownies, <laughs> and. And they just kind of, and then because of the perspective, they made it look like it was actually like rocks sure, and, and, uh, sure. and dirt. I love and I, that. I hope that's true. I, I hope can't that's prove true. It, too. it is. Um, any of our listeners out there who might know one way or the other, let us know because that would be fascinating if that was just a, another example of Hollywood trickery. Yeah, practical effects that are no longer used. Yeah, sadly. Um, but the two that I posted were the trailer for Fight Club. And the trailer for Dark City, which is my all-time favorite trailer, period. Uh, is that because that's like your all-time favorite movie, or is it well, just it is, a trailer? It is a favorite movie of mine, but I also went to see that movie because of this trailer, because it was such an intriguing trailer. Um, it has no dialogue whatsoever. It's just music. It's orchestrated. The the edits in the trailer are orchestrated to the to the beat of the music. It's a really, really... Uh, it's a really vi- visually rich film. We talked about it in this podcast. Um, a really like wonderful sort of uh, visual uh, feast. And the trailer just shows you all of this insane imagery. And you have, you have the foggiest idea what the, the plot is about. And once you watch the movie, you, you would never have been able to construct that from the trailer. Um, it's mm-hmm. just this kind of Alex Proyas visual uh, sensation. Uh, that it keeps hitting you with over the trailer. And to some extent, that I feel that's the same way about Fight Club, though Fight Club does a little bit more exposition in terms of what the movie is about. It certainly tells you that it's about these disaffected young men who are fighting each other just to feel something in the modern world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't really get into the depths of or the 
uh, intricacies of, of the plot of that film. Um, it just happens to be a really great, exciting trailer that also has a great use of Where's My Mind by the Pixies. And right. It, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the things that we brought up in our, our prep for this episode with Nikki was that the uh, that Kanye West finds himself on the soundtrack a lot <laughs> with these trailers. And uh, I'm not, not the biggest follower of Mr. West uh, in life, <laughs> but I did notice, I was, I was bright enough to notice that within just a couple years of each other, his song Black Skinhead was in two notable trailers, The Wolf of Wall Street and this new Atomic Blonde coming yeah, out this, yeah. this summer. And in Atomic Blonde, it's been remixed with Personal Jesus, which is, I guess, kind of clever and meta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so and then then like Nikki posted a bunch of other examples of Kanye West songs. And I was just thinking like, well, music is such a crucial part and you just mentioned that you know where is my mind gets showcased in sure. uh in fight club so it's like music in a way can kind of sell the film to you it can kind of make make some kind of association like yeah well if you like this song you might just want to come and see our film yeah nikki i'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this because you're the one who brought up the idea that every trailer has a kanye west song in it anymore <laughs> um well, first of all could you imagine if in the Fight Club trailer, if they had given away the end of that movie, if it was a castaway oh. thing of like, oh, we're gonna yeah. lay out the whole thing for you, how terrible would that be? It would be a nightmare. Uh, it would be. Oh, be that would not stand. The whole funny <laughs> thing occurred to me because I think I was seeing a movie a couple months ago, and in the trailers before that movie, there were two trailers back to back that both used Kanye songs. I think one was Girl on, uh, Girl on the Train, and mm-hmm. that like a remixed version of Heartless. Yep. And then the other one was Assassin's Creed, which used I Am a God. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think having them back to back, I was like, oh, yeah, this seems to be a thing. I don't know if it's, I think part of it is trying to make what would otherwise seem like older or like dated movies in some way more modern like they used it in the great gatsby trailer and i think it was like oh this is for young people this is cool this isn't going to be the book that you read in school this isn't going to be like a historical thing that you're not going to be able to relate to i think that's a big part of it um sure i mean like yeah and kanye west is such a recognizable name to everybody except for me (laughs) and you know people think oh yeah this is this is Jesus is going to be in this movie. Yeah, let's go watch this movie. Let's not torrent this movie. Let's actually watch it in the theater. Do you think? Do you think it's that? I mean, I I don't know that people necessarily are attracted because they think that that song is going to be in the movie. Do you think that that's a thing that people do? That they're like, oh man, I can't wait for the part of the movie where they play Black Skinhead and it's going to be so amazing. Maybe, maybe not so explicitly that, but I think it's it's it is kind of a brand that they're putting on the film when they're playing your favorite song or whatever song you like at the time, yeah. it definitely gets you, it gets you more excited, I think, to see the film. But, you know, I mean, there may be some people who even anticipate it being in the finished product. Uh, but I think, uh, I think, I think basically it's, it's the kind of thing that it's kind of marketing approach that uses, uh, you know, music in this case, that's unrelated but because of the associations that there are that there are with it, uh, they're using that to kind of sell the film. Like, like uh, you know, like in a different way, 
when Apple did their Think Different campaign in the 90s and they would have like just black and white photos of iconic people from the, from history who yeah. thought differently. You know, that has nothing to do with Apple computers, um, but it still has the kind of cachet that got people excited about the brand. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely... Does that sound reasonable to you, Nikki? That Yeah, exactly. Like, and I think, too, it's just... I just like imagining... Martin Scorsese, like, putting together the Wolf of Wall Street trailer, and he's like, we need Kanye <laughs> for this. You know, like, that was one where it makes perfect sense, too, with the whole look of the trailer. Sure. I think it works super well. Uh, but it's, you know, an older filmmaker who's using a younger artist and pulling that together. And, yeah, there's been a couple of movies that Leo's in that there's been Kanye yeah. music in the background. Yeah, I mean, we just That's named like two of them right there. That's like a whole category. Yeah. <laughs> so Leo, Leo's responsible Leo for all this then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he pulls the strings. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting... Um, I mean, I think I think as much as anything, it's the fact that Kanye just has such a substantial presence in pop culture nowadays that it seems like a logical mm-hmm. choice to choose his songs. As I'm sure it would, be, would have been the same thing if... I don't know, Michael Jackson in the 80s had been licensing his music to be used in trailers. Um, it also might be that as part of it, that Kanye is eager to license his music to be used in movie trailers and stuff like that, because there are artists who are sort of notoriously stingy about what they allow their music to be associated with, and uh, Kanye does not seem to have that problem. And um, speaking of Michael Jackson, the new Stranger okay. Things trailer <laughs> uses a, true. a great snippet from Thriller. Of course, it's yeah. the part where Michael Jackson isn't singing. Well, uh, he but, is. I mean, it's got a little, him doing his little uh huh over the, okay, the okay. you know here but and there. Mostly it's, but it's mostly Price. Vincent Price. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that you know, music is one way to get you excited. Uh, but I think that a really good trailer, um, some of my favorites, are uh, like mostly consist of a snippet from a film, like a sure. certain scene oh, uh, yeah. to get you excited. Like, like you were mentioning earlier, Andrew, like yeah. uh, the new, tra- the, the new trailer for Detroit, the Catherine Bigelow film. The second trailer I think is much better than the first one. And the second one pl- puts the audience right in the same place as the character, because the character is, is getting interrogated. John he Boyega's doesn't know what's character. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting, he's getting interrogated by the cops. And they come in and they say, so what happened that night at the Algiers? And so we're all like, yeah, what the fuck did happen at the Algiers? What's yeah. going on? And then he starts to talk about what happened. And it's you just get this taste. You get this, you know, this sort of like a preview, which is what it should be. Right. Because they used to be called sneak previews. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't get the whole story, but you want to know what the whole story is based on a small segment. Yeah. Yeah. And that. um I, of course, posted to our thread uh, one of my favorite trailers of recent memory, uh, which I actually enjoyed more than I enjoyed the film that it was advertising for, which is the trailer for Hail Caesar. Um, The second trailer for that movie was brilliant because it just took a section of the film, an interaction between Ray Fiennes and Alden Ehrenreich, and it's the funniest interaction that I've ever seen. It's probably funnier than the movie. It's funnier than the movie, and it's funnier in the trailer. They actually use different footage in the trailer that I think is actually better footage than the footage they used in the movie. And That's it's, also a thing. It's such a yeah. funny scene. I like when they do that. 
because I yeah. hate when I'm in a movie and a lot of times I'll walk out and especially if it's a comedy and I'm like all the best jokes were in the trailer yeah I hate mm. when they ruin all the jokes for you and then you're expecting new ones or better ones and then you don't get those the movie doesn't deliver on those but I do love it when they use alt takes yeah. especially if I mean hopefully the ones in the trailer aren't quite as good so you're still excited to see the movie but I feel like mm. it's also a great way for them to use footage they're not otherwise using and then they're still saving those surprises and hopefully those better jokes for the actual movie yeah yeah and that's something that paul thomas anderson certainly does like when mm -hmm. he made uh the master and i think also inherent vice he used like for the trailers for the master he did he hardly used any footage from the actual film yeah I mean, in fact using, i I remember yes. seeing that trailer for The Master and being really excited and then seeing the movie The Master and being like, <laughs> nothing from that trailer was in this movie. How yeah, can I, you, was, like, I was disappointed. But he gets because he, he cut those trailers himself. Yeah. And so he got to use the stuff that didn't make it into the film. Yeah. And that's how he, he yeah, made there's, use of them. There's that whole scene, that whole like uh, assessment of his uh, stability, like his mental stability scene that never actually shows up in the movie at all. Yeah, and that oh. that scene also kind of reminded me of the trailer for Detroit because it's about yeah two guys sitting together. One guy is asking what happened. Yeah, and it's he's kind of like the surrogate for the audience in that case. You know, the yeah. audience wants to know what happened. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. But uh, to your point, Nikki, about the the funniest parts being in the trailer, I feel like that often comes when a, a studio doesn't know how to sell uh, a movie. If they especially with comedies that they aren't sure about they don't know exactly where it fits in you know subversive comedies or dark comedies especially are no, kind of notoriously hard for studios to advertise because they don't know they don't know how to advertise it they don't know whether to make it seem like a laugh riot or whether to make it seem like a more serious movie um yeah. but if I, I feel like if the money people have already classified it as a comedy then they lean into that and they just like take every joke from the movie and put it in the trailer which not only spoils as you say, Nikki spoils the movie because all the jokes have already been done, but it also uh, misleads the audience about what the movie is that they're going in to see. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're <laughs> uh, speaking of, of Paul Thomas Anderson movies, uh, uh, Phil, I don't know that this is the trailer's fault necessarily, but I remember going to see Punch Drunk Love in theaters and everybody was there to see an Adam Sandler movie and they were gravely disappointed because... <laughs> It was very not an Adam Sandler movie, um, and uh, I don't think the trailer. I feel, necessarily I feel did like that maybe because, in that case, though, that's more the casting that yeah, I mean that that's led people. Yeah, that's that's people's yeah. expectations. But I, I know that there are plenty of examples of trailers where where everything is front loaded into the trailer, and then what do you have in the end? You know. Sure. I mean, one recent thing that's that's on my mind is uh, there is a film called Art School Confidential. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that came out 10 years ago or so, and it was written by Dan Close, the great uh, comic book yep. illustrator and writer. And if you look at the trailer, it is such like a breezy, hilarious yeah. satire of going to art school. And since I did that, and my wife is currently doing that, I'm like, yeah, well, this I could really enjoy a movie like this. But uh, so many people have complained that that trailer in particular made the film seem like a comedy when it was really mostly serious. Yeah. And that ha has to do with what you were just saying, I think, about the marketing. And I think maybe another reason why certain comedies, particularly dark comedies, get mismarketed 
is because they have to kind of market them somehow to as wide an audience as possible. And that's not just U.S. audiences, but foreign audiences, too, that may not completely get that style of humor mm -hmm. if it's too ironic or too specific to American culture. And unfortunately, you know, people want the an audience to have as broad appeal as possible, yeah. and that sometimes results in making misleading trailers, which then they then backfire, and people who might have enjoyed the film for what it was feel like they've been misled and they get angry because it's not the movie that was promised to them. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, conundrum, I suppose, for the, the people who are tasked with selling the movie while also trying to make something that's interesting to watch in and of itself. Yeah, um, yeah it can be tough. It can be really tough. Uh, Nikki, I know that there were some other topics that you wanted to cover in particular. Um, you said that you're a big fan in the Facebook conversation we were having. You said you're a big fan of all David Fincher trailers. Yeah. Is that can uh, that can that be true? I think that's pretty true. Um, Are you I, not a fan of all David Fincher movies? I am. <laughs> uh, I think that's why I like the trailers because I feel like they represent the movies fairly. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think also just his style of filming and just kind of the look to his movies uh, stands out well in a trailer. Yeah. Social Network, I really like that movie. I really like that trailer. And it yeah. feels like it's very David Fincher. Like when one of his trailers comes on, you know it's his movie. Whereas I feel like some of the other trailers, because they're like a shorter thing and because it's not you know, fully representing the movie. It's yeah. less distinct in terms of style. Uh, but I think when his trailer comes on, it's recognizable as a David Fincher movie. Yeah, so yeah. what do you think about this trend that some people claim the social network trailer started where you've got <laughs> a very recognizable song yeah. that gets slowed down and yeah. turned out and getting all creepy and ominous sounding? Uh, in the social network, they use the choral version of the radio song Creep, and not so much to, uh, to, I guess, subvert your expectations about the song as it was to use it as a comment on social media. But th there's so many trailers out there, from Fifty Shades of Grey to Geostorm to anything, Geostorm. where they'll take it, they'll take a famous song, and they'll just, you know make it all creepy and slow and ominous? Like, what do you think about this trend, Nikki? Like, do you think that it's working? Is it backfiring? What do you think they're trying to do? This is me personally, but I find it so distracting because I find myself trying to figure out what song it is because it's not like you hear the lyrics, but when they're out of context or if it's a different voice singing them, a lot of times I have a hard time placing the song. So mm -hmm. I'm just listening to it and I'm trying to sing it in the voice that I've heard it before. Yeah. And and I'm like more focused on that. I think it's it's also something that'll happen where you like see someone on the screen and you're like, where do I know them from? And you just have like this whole side conversation in your head. And then before mm -hmm. you know, the trailer's over. Um, I mean, I get why they're doing it. Like Girl on the Train, that was the they did a different version of Heartless, but and I think it actually worked for that movie. I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like it probably. I don't know. The trailer I thought was interesting, maybe better than the movie itself, but mm -hmm. 
the yeah i don't know i find it distracting if i can't recognize the song in its original version there may be also be some kind of licensing loophole that will prevent them from using the original recognizable version you know of like the rolling stones i can't get no satisfaction for example so then they'll use like this this inverted cover of it and still kind of capitalize on the appeal of the song right right you know what i this may be i mean it's not really off topic but it's slightly off of what we've been talking about um i I, the first time i remember one of those uh slow songs being used in a trailer was actually gears of war on the xbox 360 when that (laughs) came out that's when that gary jules cover of mad world was played um, that re- really great cover of Mad World uh, that might even be better than the original. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and before that, I I hadn't known of that being in the sort of public consciousness at all. Um, and then that trailer hit, and all of a sudden, I felt like so many different media and um, certainly movies started to use that that technique. And that was way back in like 2011 or something like that. Or, 2010. Yeah. And I think trailers go through different phases. Like there was, of course, a phase in the 1980s when you had so many great voiceover artists who would say, in a world, you know, in a world yeah. where this happens, blah, blah, blah. Like, and that's kind of a lost art, too, where I, this kind of just blew my mind. Trailers don't even seem to have narrators at all anymore. No, it uses they, that's, a dialogue from the movie or text. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. That's kind of a lost thing. Nobody, nobody really narrates them anymore. And then there's also this thing where a technical thing where trailers would build to this fever pitch of excitement and noise, sure. and then just kind of go, and then just cut to silence. Yeah. And then give you like the title of the film. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's true. Those are. Um, I I do feel like it goes in trends. I feel like um, trailers seem to resemble each other very closely uh, for a long time. There, there, there was a trend for a long time. I don't know if they're still doing it where the trailer would kind of finish and then there would be additional credits playing and they would play like another little quick scene underneath the, the text of the credits uh-huh. sort of behind <laughs> what you were looking at. It was very, it was a very strange, uh, Thing, and I feel like it's kind of died down a little bit, but what might have taken its place, Phil, was what you mentioned early in the podcast, which is this new trend on social media, um, primarily, in fact, entirely, as, as far as I've seen it, social media has these trailers before the trailer where it shows you like four or five shots of mm. exciting stuff from the trailer that you might immediately recognize somebody's face, that you might recognize some fun stuff happening that you might might get excited about and then it starts the trailer proper so it's maybe like three or four seconds of yeah i think that's that doesn't i think that is just social media and not in theaters because you know trailers used to be a uniquely theatrical thing uh you would only see them in theater so you would have a moment to to get situated with what you were seeing uh but now if you're going to be watching something on your phone you know, there's so much stuff out there competing for your attention. Uh, that's why this new trend popped up, which is for anybody who grew up seeing trailers from the 80s and 90s and 
the 2000s, it does kind of seem like um, a, a step in the wrong direction. Well, I feel like I feel like it's it's predicated on the idea that like if you're scrolling through your newsfeed on your phone, mm-hmm. if it comes up with the A24 logo and then it shows the Paramount logo and then it shows you know scot free and then you know and then it shows you that starts the trailer you're not going to wait those five seconds that it takes to show all that stuff you're just going to scroll right. into the next thing because it's not interesting enough so they show sure. you all this exciting stuff right away to get you to stop scrolling and then it starts the trailer yeah proper i think, like I a think psychological we, we're, trick we're saying the same thing i think we're both we, it's just about competing for your attention yeah and basically if you're on your feed then yeah there's just so much to look at um, too much. The other thing I wanted to, to say just uh, for a moment, like I mentioned that a good trailer is uh, an excerpt from a film, something that will just kind of whet your appetite. Sure. The other thing that I really like in a trailer is if it's a historical film or a period piece, especially something from like the 70s or 60s, yeah. and they'll mix in archival footage with footage from the actual film that was recreated uh that is that does such a great it goes a long way to really kind of setting up the world of the film and getting you excited and tying the film into history and history that you may have seen somewhere else too like since you mentioned david fincher nikki uh the zodiac trailer comes to mind which uh the film itself i think is an amazing recreation of, of that time and place and it does kind of set you up as does the trailer for Gus Van Sant's Milk to get back yeah. into San Francisco of the 70s. And uh, and sometimes there may even be moments when you can't tell if you're seeing news footage or something from the actual film. And that's really what the filmmakers are striving for, is to kind of blur those lines and get you just to get into the experience of the film itself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like that. Uh, another thing, too, as we're talking about social media stuff, I do feel like it's a big thing now, just in the last couple of years, that the premiere of a trailer is in and of itself an event. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I know the uh, Assassin's Creed trailer that I posted, that was, like, premiered on Jimmy Kimmel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that movie that, didn't do too well, did it? No, <laughs> it did very I poorly. I heard of it before seeing the trailer. I think it was uh, all downhill from there. With like Deadpool two yeah. as well, where like they keep talking up the premiere of the trailer, like that seems to be a thing now. Yeah, and Comic Con just released a bunch of trailers too, yeah. and that was uh, it's that's become a very popular place for for uh, you know geek oriented trailers to really have their their moment in the sun, and and since there's so much geek culture that's in mainstream culture now, you know Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and superhero movies and you know all this stuff um it it, it seems like a uh, they, they, it's just made for them to cuz cuz the geeks will freak out about trailers more than anybody else <laughs> yeah like. like if you if you watch the trailer for Ready Player 1 on YouTube yeah the top commenters the ones who've got over a thousand likes already after just a couple of days they're the ones who will point out every single pop culture reference in the trailer <laughs> and give you the exact time code of the video when they occur so you can click on it and go right to that moment and see oh there's Freddy Krueger there's the Iron Giant there's Deadpool like yeah and and what for what purpose what did we win 
by doing this. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just, but they're the first ones to do it. They're the first ones to point it out. So they get the credit. Yeah. Have you ever been in a movie and seen a trailer? So this would be in the theater and you see a trailer and the audience's reaction to it makes you feel a certain way about it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. remember, I, I can't remember what movie I was going to see, but the trailer for Baghead came up. And I remember everyone in the audience just being like, what the hell is this? Like, everyone's, yeah. like, making fun of it. And especially with, like, that name, you know, it's pretty easy to make fun of if, you know, you're not familiar with the Duplass Brothers' work. Yep. But then I think I rented that movie, like, a couple years later, ended up really liking it. But I think I let, like, the audience around me affect my opinion of the movie based on their reaction to the trailer. Oh, I haven't seen Baghead, but isn't that doesn't that kind of fall into the example of a, a comedy that was mismarketed or something that was mismarketed as a comedy? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a weird blend of I mean, it's like a very like Duplass Brothers movie, you Mobile know, and I feel like those time. in general are a little tricky to market. Sure. I remember the same thing with um, Cyrus. I think I went expecting to see more of a comedy and then especially with that cast and then you find out it, there's very small moments of humor, but for the most part, it's a pretty serious uh, movie about relationships and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was probably marketed as more of a comedy than it mm -hmm. was. Yeah, I, I remember going to see, I mean, I don't remember what movie I was going to see, but I remember seeing the Dogtooth trailer for the first time in the theaters and the audience reacted in such a weird way like they were just so uncomfortable they were made so uncomfortable with that trailer um it intrigued me of course to no end i was like "Ooh, what is this weird movie <laughs> yeah um, that was the same with swiss army man i remember oh, yeah. the audience was just like especially with that i think it is like the name too like they really are just like yeah. what is this going to be yeah yeah that's funky um nikki something else that you had mentioned in the uh in the discussion that we were having was the idea of trailers and movies that they're advertising seemingly having nothing to do with each other, even if both are good. Can you expound upon that a little bit, that idea, like the idea of the trailer doesn't fit the movie, as you said, right. but right. and how, how closely should it fit the film? Yeah, I think, yeah. And so, what are the examples of one where, where both the trailer and the movie are good, but they don't fit with each other? Uh, so this was actually, I was talking to my friend about this, Amanda, and she was saying that she was kind of misled by the Place Beyond the Pines trailer. Oh, yeah. Mm. And her thing was like, oh, I expected so much more Ryan Gosling in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> she went in with that expectation and then yeah. was a little disappointed. Sure. Uh, so I think good trailer, good movie, but I think the problem, again, with the marketing of that movie was that in order to not give away some of the later things in that movie, they were kind of sticking with the first segment because that movie's kind of divided into like three different segments almost. Yeah. And so they're kind of only advertising the first bit, which was the Ryan Gosling bit. Uh, so I think there was kind of like a disconnect between those two. Mm. Um, so that was an example of you know, just not knowing what the la latter half of that movie was going to be because the trailer didn't hit it in any way. Yeah, um, but I think it was because they just didn't want to give too much away in what would happen later. Right. And as far as like uh, trailers that kind of 
take you out of the experience you know you're going to see. Like you say, like if you go to see Ghost in the Shell, like I did, and you know you see trailers for Alien Covenant, you see trailers for Life, um, but then like I feel like a lot of the trailers are that I that I've experienced anyway. Like they're sort of stay within a similar kind of genre. I mean, do you guys yeah. have experience of seeing like going to uh, you know, like uh, a horror film, like uh, the latest Annabelle film or whatever, and seeing a trailer <laughs> for like a silly rom-com at the beginning. Like, does that happen? Yeah, it happens occasionally. Um, as someone who worked in a movie theater for quite some time, I can tell you where that comes from, though, or at least my conception of where that comes from. Uh-huh. Uh, generally speaking, if you've got a 20th Century Fox movie playing in a particular movie house, you're going to advertise everything that 20th Century Fox has coming up uh, in front of a 20th Century Fox movie. Likewise with right. Paramount and likewise with Disney and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, sometimes you would, I mean, you always want to try to match the trailers to the the kind of film the genre of film perhaps that that people are coming to see and if there's enough of those coming out i mean god knows that horror movies they make all year round all the time nowadays so it's not like there aren't 10 horror movies you know on the horizon at any given time that you can advertise but uh for something like a rom-com or something like um a, a war movie or something like that where there aren't that many films like it on the horizon, they kind of just try to put together a hodgepodge. And generally speaking, it's more from that studio or that distribution company or something like that. Like, you know, if you go to see it comes at night, you see three other a 24 trailers for upcoming movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. Another one of those examples, and I haven't seen the movie, but I was kind of reading about it online. Sure. Everyone's at the cabin in the woods trailer. Oh yeah. Yeah, did what didn't accurately portray the genre almost of film that it actually was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was like horror comedy. Well, yeah, I, and in the trailer, it's pure horror. Yeah, the trailer definitely sells it as a horror movie, but I wonder if that wasn't part of the plan, even Joss Whedon's yeah. plan, because Joss Whedon that movie is really like a deconstruction of all horror films. That's and, what I'd read. That kind of like a more meta statement on the genre, and that they chose to market it that way because of it yeah i feel like that may be a good uh example of the filmmaker having enough input into how their own film is marketed that it it made sense or it might have just been a happy accident that the studio didn't know how else to market it (laughs) (laughs) which is entirely possible because i mean a joss whedon film is going to be a hard thing to market anyway right because everything joss whedon does is tongue-in-cheek kind of uh comedy in a way but also, it can take itself very seriously. So, you know, that's that's a hard line to walk for a bunch of suits and you know doing the marketing, right, guys? Yeah. Do you yeah, think the suits. amount of input that the director has? Do you think that's more if that person's well known, or the size of the budget of the film, or the studio that they're working with? Because I feel like some of them, it's like paramount that they're the ones editing it, making those decisions. And then other ones, I'm like, I don't think that this is what the creative people behind this movie wanted. And you can tell that it's more the business side of things that want it this certain way. 
I think it's a mixture of those things. Um, yeah. I think that some very lucky filmmakers, like for instance, Paul Thomas Anderson that Phil mentioned earlier, um, actually have it written into their contracts that they can edit their own trailers. Um, and they, they insist on that as part of the, you know, the marketing of their artistic product. But other people, like I would not guess that Martin Scorsese actually edits his own trailers. I can't imagine that that's the case, mm-hmm. judging by, I mean, looking at it, at the trailers for his movies, for instance, I can't imagine that those were edited. I know that Stanley Kubrick edited his trailers. Um, certainly, he put together that first trailer for Eyes Wide Shut um, after mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, he chose that Chris Isaac song, Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing, and just played it over the... Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that was and, that was pulled straight from the movie as well. If you look at Ready Player One, which I've watched like three or four times now, the the trailer for that, it doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie at all. Right. Uh, right. It it's kind of disorienting, especially if you love Spielberg and you love his his greatest greatest films, which you know are probably behind him at this point. You know that kind of aesthetic, <laughs> that style. Uh, of E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, that's that's gone. Uh, he's he's he seems to have embraced 21st century filmmaking and digital filmmaking, and that's that's fine and good. And he's he makes some good movies still, and he's an interesting person with an aesthetic to look to watch. But uh, the Ready Player One trailer, uh, it's just a collection of the most outlandish CGI action scenes from the film for the most part. Yeah. And it's, it's prefaced by a very quick moment where, uh, the male character, the, the boy at the center of the story, uh, talks about how, you know, he is, and like everybody in his generation is, has escaped into the Oasis, which is this virtual reality playground. Uh, and then it immediately jumps into the playground and, um, Interestingly, uh, the the Rush song "Tom Sawyer" starts playing, which is a classic rock song that I've known for many years, and it seems kind of weird to see it in advertising a Spielberg movie. Um, and yet, there's something kind of strange that kept me watching it multiple times. So, uh, at that point, with this film, Spielberg probably didn't have you know, a lot of, uh, invested in creating the trailer himself so he probably just says you know do whatever you want you know to the studio um but i think one thing that paul thomas anderson realized is that he can cut multiple trailers and teasers for his films and distribute them online and i think a lot of those teasers that he made for the master for example i don't know how many of those were even shown theatrically they were some of them were really quick, sometimes just like a minute long, and they would just be uh, like he patched together alternate takes and things that didn't make it into his finished film because he wanted them to get seen. Well, let's let's not forget that he also very famously for both Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love recorded full length commercials for products within the films that had nothing to do with marketing the film itself, except in, in terms of kind of subliminally triggering people to be like, Hey, isn't that Tom Cruise? Like, why is Tom Cruise in, in this infomercial for, you know, becoming a a master of, of your manliness? Like this doesn't make any sense. Um, but, but there was no hint in those commercials of the fact that they were advertising 
a movie. They just were. You just reminded me of another really great trailer for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. Which which begins as a commercial for Lacuna, this imaginary company that can erase bad memories. Uh, and then it later turns into a, a straight-up preview for the film itself. But uh, I think I think trailers are kind of in flux right now. I think we're at the end of an era with trailers, and I think something new is going to start popping up fairly soon. Sure that everybody is going to start copying. But, uh, but yeah, I think they're still really fun to watch. They're fun to geek out over and, and, and anticipate when the actual film will come out. Yeah. I mean, I love watching. I always try to get there in time to watch the trailers. Um, maybe not the advertisements before the trailers, um, which have now started to become trailers in and of themselves, ex- extended commercials for television series. And, you know, you're not a fan like of that. Maria Menounos. No, I could, I could, I could definitely leave Maria Menounos behind. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I love watching trailers regardless, even if they're not uh, high art in and of themselves all the time. Uh, I still love watching them. Nikki, uh, we'll give you the last word on trailers uh, since this is the thing that you brought to us. Yeah. Uh, okay, I guess last word will be that you probably know this, but the term trailer, do you know where it came from? No, where, where did it come from? So they used to show them at the end of movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, which I feel like they're almost doing a little bit of that type of thing now when they have, like, the, oh, make sure you stay because there's going to be something extra at the end. Marvel Cinematic you know? uh, Universe yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. Or they'll do, like, a sneak into, if it's, like, a series, into the next movie. Um, but, yeah, I didn't realize that that's where it even came from until I looked it up today. yeah. Yeah, then they bumped into the front. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe they should call them bumpers now. Yeah. Nah, nah <laughs> that's not going to take. <laughs> they fear um, change. They fear change. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about trailers. I think this has been a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, we hope you'll come back again on the show at some point. Uh, give us yeah. a suggestion of anything you want to talk about. Anything at all movie related, and we'll be happy to talk about it. Cool. Uh, that goes for all you listeners out there as well. But uh, but thanks again, Nikki. Really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And for all of our listeners out there, uh, our next film that we will be talking about uh, is, speaking of A24 and trailers, uh, is the new film A Ghost Story, starring Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, uh, distributed by A24. Uh, which we have had very good things to say about on this podcast in the past. Um, and in fact, Nikki sent me a fantastic article that was the verbal history of, or the oral history of A24 that I should send you, Phil. It's really, really good. Yeah, We, we could share it with it. all of our listeners, too. Yeah. Um, but that should be interesting. The, the fascinating thing about that trailer, since we're talking about trailers, is that it's in, uh, and I'm assuming the movie itself as well, is shot in, four by three aspect ratio it's like a it's like an old home movie on a on 16 millimeter kind of a thing Mm. um so it, it should be really interesting and we hope you'll join us for that episode and we will see you next time